Um, so this week, I think this is our last kind of formal seminar on, on parenthood. And then next week, we're just having a question and answer session. So if you had any questions about the course or just parenting in general, I think there's going to be a panel of parents up here um, that you can ask questions to. And so um, that'll be some folks probably who've raised their kids all the way through and then maybe some folks who are in the midst of it. Uh, but there are some note cards on the back outside that you guys can fill out a question. And where do we put that, Ryan? Yeah, so if you could do that, that would be, I think, helpful just so that we can have those together and maybe have a little time to think about them. And then there will be opportunity just to ask questions on the spot as well. So that'll be next week, and then we'll do we jump into Ecclesiastes after that. So, okay. Um, so when, we, when we've thought about this course, uh, we've, we've I think this is our 12th or 13th week, I'm not sure, but we've, we've gone over a lot, right? And so kind of the heart of all of what we're doing here with this course is – um, just to provide a framework for us. Uh, so many of us are in the midst of parenting our children. Uh, there's, there's folks in this church here of, who are grandparenting children, if you will. Uh, and then there's folks who don't have children and, and maybe never will. Maybe they will in the future. Maybe they never will. But they su- want to support uh, those who are raising their kids. And also they want to be spiritual parents to all the, the kids we have in this church. Um, we are blessed by a ton of children, which is which is awesome. It is a blessing. We see it as that. And so I hope that, like, the course has been helpful. I know a lot of it uh, has been helpful for me. If you haven't been able to, to, to be at all of these, um, they're on Faith Life. Is that right? On Faith Life. So they're on Faith Life. You can go back and review. But really our greatest hope as Christian parents, when we boil it all down, is that our kids will come to, to know and love Christ. I mean, that's our greatest hope, right? When your kids are born, as believers, I would say that's the one thing that we should be praying for the most in them. Not that they're successful financially or do great in school, but it's just that they come to know the Lord and that they will grow into gospel-centered, Christ-loving adults who will spend their lives serving the Lord and glorifying Him, and whatever that may be. You know, that might be as a missionary in a foreign land. I've, our prayers that there are some kids in this church right now that grow up to go serve in that way. Uh, but it might be uh, as a teacher, as a stay-at-home mom, as a construction worker, just whatever it may be, that they are kids who come to know the Lord, come to love Christ, and that they will spend the rest of their lives serving him, that they would embrace the gospel and proclaim the gospel. But the, you know, that's our main focus. But the issue is, we know as believers that we're not in control of that. It's not something we can force, right? We are not God, and and, uh, we have to acknowledge that. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So while at the same time we say we want to put our children in front of the Word of God, we want to create an environment that in, in which we kind of speak about the ways of God uh, in all that we do throughout our daily lives, most importantly that we're an example of Christ to them. Uh, we want to create that environment as parents, but at the same time we're acknowledging that we're not in control. You know, we live in an age right now where we feel like we're in control of everything, right? I mean, we have this phone that we can, like, call anybody anywhere, anytime. You can, some of you guys can probably adjust your thermostat, you know, right now. You can make your house a little cooler, a little warmer. We've got cameras everywhere. You can see what's going on. Um, and so we feel like we're in control, but the truth is we're not. And uh, as believers, as we read Scripture, we can acknowledge that. That God is sovereign, God is God is in control, but we are not. And so, how do we balance that as parents? How do we balance that? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's kind of entitled, The Gospel and the Overzealous Parent. So, as we've gone through this course, we've been hit with a lot of stuff, right? It can get a little overwhelming. I mean, first we talked about how that we should build families as a vital form of ministry that our family is a ministry and that our and that building a Christian family uh, can be evangelism, right? It can be evangelism to the watching world. It's a witness to the church. Um, we talked about how God wants us to worship him by serving with an attitude of awe and wonder and how we should encourage that worship within our families. We do this kind of in our day-by-day -day living, you know, as we walk along beside our kids that we're speaking about the ways of the Lord to them. We also do this more formally, like in family worship, reading scripture, praying, singing together. Um, we've talked about how we want to be raising worshipers. We're not just raising obedient kids, okay? You can be the most obedient kid in the world and not know Christ. And so we want to raise kids uh, who worship the Lord. Uh, who are God-centered. So in order to do that, we have to get to their hearts. We have to show them that they are sinners and, and, that, and that their hearts need rescue. Um, we've talked about how that getting to the heart oftentimes requires formative discipline, and we have to have that within the family. We have to use words of encouragement. We have to pray for them. We have to warn them. Sometimes we have to plead them, and, and at times we have to rebuke them. Uh, we talked about how um, there's times when we have to uh, require obedience, right, within our families. We have to require obedience, and that obedience uh, is really only obedience when it, it was without challenge and without delay and without grumbling. Um, we've talked about how biblically we're called to discipline our kids, when they step out of line, you know, and that that discipline should be done in a calm manner. It should be measured, and it should be immediate, right? And, and oftentimes we've talked about, uh, in one of our courses, we talked about how it has to be tactile, right? It has to be spanking at times with younger kids. Um, and that we're doing this not to just create a kid who behaves well, but to kind of bring them back to ourselves, to snap them out 
of this path of, of disobedience so that we can get to their heart ultimately, so that the Lord can. Um, we talked about gender roles, right? How God made boys and girls different, and fathers differently, that we are made in God's image and that in that we are equal, but that we have different roles. And we talked about how that means that fathers and mothers should train their sons to build their households by leading and providing and protecting. We talked about how mothers and fathers should train their daughters to build their households by helping and nurturing. Uh, And then we talked about technology and how it affects our family life and the power of technology to be used for good and the power to be used for evil and, and how we have to really think about that and steward that in our families. And so that's a lot of stuff, right? When, when you think about all of that, all that goes into parenting a child, it can be overwhelming. Uh, it can be very overwhelming for us. It's a high calling, and we see that through Scripture. Um, Christians aren't the only people who feel this weight, right? The rest of the world does too. Uh, the difference is, is that their focus is different, right? So the world would say that, a, a non-Christian would say that they want their kid to be successful in every way, whether it's through sports, academics, so that they can go to the best college, get the best job, and basically live the American dream, right? The, the end goal for their kids is that they could live the American dream. And it's not that as believers we don't want a lot of those things for our kids, right? If our kids are pursuing education, we want them to do it well. If they're in a sport, we want them to give their best. You know, those are things that we want for our kids. It's just the the, the main goal is different. Uh, what we're building towards is different. Um, kind of a good example of this this worldly view is this lady named Amy uh, Chua. She's like a, a Yale Law School professor, and she's known as like the Tiger Mom. I don't know if any of you guys have seen any of her stuff. She's kind of well-known. And uh, she comes from, like, a Chinese background. And so she wrote this article in the Wall Street Journal about why Chinese mothers are superior. And she says this. She says, a lot of people wonder how Chinese parents raise such stereotypically successful kids. They wonder what these parents do to produce so many math whizzes and music prodigies, what it's like inside the family, and whether they could do it. Well, I can tell them because I've done it. Here are some things my daughter Sophia and Louisa were never allowed to do. Attend a sleepover, have a play date, be in a school play, complain about not being in a school play, watch TV or play computer games, choose their own extracurricular activities, get any grade less than an A, not be the number one student in every subject except gym and drama, play any instrument other than piano or violin, not play piano or violin. When Western parents think they're being strict, they usually don't come close to being Chinese mothers. For example, my Western friends who consider themselves strict make their children practice their instruments 30 minutes a day, an hour at most. For a Chinese mother, the first hour is the easy part. It's hours two and three that get tough. What Chinese parents understand is that nothing is fun until you're good at it. To get good at anything, you have to work. And children on their own never want to work, which is why it's crucial to override their preferences. This often requires fortitude on the parts of parents because the child will resist. And so 
some of you may have been raised in a home like this, where it's just like militaristic. At all times, you're going to do your best. If you don't get 100 on every paper, you're grounded, right? And you're going you're gonna to practice, practice, practice five times more than any other kid. Some of you may have been raised like that. Um, but whatever your background is, some of us might feel the pressure to be this kind of parent in one way or, or another, to be like a tiger parent. And Christians aren't exempt from this. Uh, I have a feeling that even within this church, there are people who feel like they need to be spiritual tiger parents. Maybe the focus is a little different, but the attitude behind it is the same, right? My kid is going to be a Christian no matter, you know, I'm going to beat it into their head, no matter what. I'm going to force it down their throat. Um, So, but at the same time, we know that Scripture lays out this high calling for us as parents to raise them in the Lord. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, If you join this church, you made a commitment to raise your children in the Lord. Uh, that, that's a part of the commitment we make here at Christ Community Church. Deuteronomy teaches us that these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames to your houses and on your gates. So when we look at Scripture... It, it does seem like biblical parenting is a comprehensive and weighty job, and we should see it that way. Um, and so some of us may feel like the tiger parent, the Amy Chua of Christian moms and dads, and we're struggling with how to balance all of that. Um, we have a lot of parenting books. And there, there are a lot of Christian parenting books which have a lot of really good things in them. I'm not here to deride those. I think that they're wonderful. I've read a lot of them. Um, but they can cause us to struggle with some of this, I believe. You have guys like Ted Tripp, Elsie Fitzpatrick, and they kind of urge us on to get to our, ch- to our kids' hearts, which is an important thing. Careful, they say, we don't want our... We don't want to present our children with just with law and elicit mere outward conformity. That's a treadmill of performance. It may it it may make the kid look fit, but it won't finally change them. We need to apply the gospel to their hearts. The fundamental tenet of shepherding a child's heart, uh, Ted Tripp writes this: the heart is the wellspring of life. Therefore, parenting is concerned with shepherding the heart. You must learn to work from the behavior you see back to the heart, exposing heart issues for your children. In short, you must learn to engage them, not just reprove them. Help them see the ways that they are trying to quench their soul's thirst with that which cannot satisfy. You must help your kids gain a clear focus on the cross of Christ. Fitzpatrick urges the same thing as she writes in Give Them Grace, what we need to give our children. She says that what we need to give our children isn't more law, even if it seems to produce tidy or polite children. Christian children and their parents don't need to learn to be nice. 
They need death and resurrection, and the Savior has gone before them as a faithful high priest who was a child himself and who lived and died perfectly in their place. Children can't use the law any more than we can. They won't obey it from the heart because they can't. That's why Jesus had to die. What we need, Fitzpatrick says, is to give them grace. All of that that I just read from those two quotes is absolutely true. I mean, that's absolutely true. We need to get to our children's hearts. We need to show them their great need for Christ. We need to give them grace. But as we read all of that, kind of this counsel that we receive from all of these parenting books, while it's absolutely true and good, it can almost make the pressure worse. It can almost make the pressure worse. It's like we need to go beyond discipline. It's almost easier to be a tiger parent uh, because we can we can just discipline them without grace. Uh, we don't need to get underneath the behaviors. We don't need to get to the idolatrous affections. We don't need to help them see the gospel. Uh, and so if you think like the tiger parenting is hardcore, um, this even seems to be more hardcore, right? Because you could just kind of, if you're a tiger parent, put your kid at the piano, make them stay there, learn that piece for three or four hours, and if they complain, you know, you're like threatening to burn their stuffed animals or something. Um, There was a columnist, David Brooks, who kind of called Amy Chua out on this stuff. He he wrote an article called Amy Chua is a Wimp, uh, saying that she's really kind of ducking the heart issues. She's not really getting to the heart issues. Um. So, we would say that, like, Ted Tripp and, and Fitzpatrick, they're, not, they're insisting that they're not offering, like, formulas for raising your kids. But if you read some of these books, it can sometimes feel that way. Um, at one point, Fitzpatrick provides, like, a monologue that she get, would give to a squirmy toddler named Benny who can't sit still through devotions. The problem is the monologue to this toddler is, like, two paragraphs long. It's like 15 sentences. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some of you have given your toddlers like two paragraph monologues and they're like gone to the next room before you can finish the first sentence. Um, Ted Tripp offers some illustrations of verbal exchanges in in his books that have really never been seen in reality that, that any of us have seen. So, it's easy to write things down in a book, okay? But when the rubber hits the road, it's a different uh, deal. Kevin DeYoung talks about this. He's, he's like a pastor and blogger, and he kind of pushes it back against some of this stuff, and he talks about how in his family it never really works out like it does in the book. He complains, my kids are probably not as crazy as they seem to me. At least that's what I keep telling myself. But if I ever write a book on parenting, I'm going to call it The Inmates Are Running the Asylum. There are already scores of books on parenting, many of them quite good. I've read several of them and have learned much. I really do believe in gospel, gospel-powered parenting and shepherding of my child's heart. But he writes, could it be that we've made parenting too complicated? Isn't the most important thing not what we do, but who we are as parents? So that's kind of the heart of what we're talking about this morning. We go through this 
12-week seminar, and there's a lot of amazing things, and we should take all of it to heart. And it does give us a framework of parenting. But as we do that and as we read, like, all these parenting books, it can get a little overwhelming. And it can, it can, you can get to a point where you get so overwhelmed, you almost give up. Um, the longer I parent, I'm about 16 years and a few months into parenting now. Um, but the longer I do that, the more, I, I, I think that both Brooke and I started out, we read every, you know, every book we could like get our hands on. I remember um, with Aurelia, we had this book, Baby Wise. Has anybody ever done that? It's like hardcore, you know, you're like isolating your kid. They're, they're not going to cry, you know. And so, I mean, we did all that stuff. And I think that went out the window with Addie. Maybe that's why they're a little different. But, um, but uh, you know, you start out and you're like, you know, you're, you're reading all these books. You're getting all these opinions, getting one opinion from one mother, one grandmother, one from another grandmother, opinions from all your different friends, and it can just be overwhelming. You know, but the, the kind of the more we have done this, the more we kind of see that we just are, are I kind of see that it's, it's better just to focus on doing a few things well, okay, and not get too hung up in all the different little details. So here are the big things that I see. Number one, I want to spend quality time with my kids, Okay, whatever that may be. And sometimes if we're so hung up on a formula for raising our kids that everything has to be just so, their behavior has to be just so, that gets in the way of any type of quality time that we can have with them. We want, I want to teach them the Bible. Uh, one of the things, like when we've tried to do devotions at times, they're little, especially when they were smaller, they're little and squirmy. And it just ends up being like a yelling fest, you know. Well, I mean, what am I teaching my kids? I'm supposed to be talking to them about the love of God, and, you know, I'm just griping at them because they can't sit still on a couch for long enough. And so, um, but that's something that I want to do better. And, and sometimes when they're super small, you have to change things, right? You, you, can't, you can't sit there and get, do a 15-minute Bible lesson. Maybe you shorten it a little bit. Maybe you kind of use some different material. Um, I want to take them to church. I want to laugh with them. I want to cry with them. I want to discipline them when they disobey. And I want to say I'm sorry when I mess up, which is often. And I want to pray for them day by day. And I think prayer is the thing that we miss out on the most. The thing that we kind of, we talk about all these parenting strategies and oftentimes prayer isn't the, the main focus when prayer should be, in my mind, the number one focus for being a parent. I think that's one of the most amazing things we can do for our kids is pray for them day by day and pray with them. So basically kind of in the end, when they're all grown up, uh, I want them to look back and think, uh, I'm not sure what my parents were doing or if they even knew what they were doing, which we did, we haven't. Uh, but I always knew that my parents loved me, and I knew that they loved Jesus. So if I can get to that one thing, that one kind of thought process, uh, that would be best. And so maybe it's not as complicated as we make it. 
That's kind of what I'm trying to get to. Okay, so what do we make of that? You know, is being a Christian parent a tremendously important, comprehensive, often difficult job that requires great resolve and discipline and self-sacrifice, or are we putting too much pressure on ourselves? I think the answer to that question is that it's a false choice because being a parent is a tremendously important, difficult, and comprehensive job that requires great resolve and discipline and self-sacrifice and especially for the people who are in this room this morning, we're probably putting too much pressure on ourselves. The people who show up to 930 parenting seminars at Christ Community Church are probably putting too much pressure on yourself. How can it be both? Remember that Scripture describes our sanctification as a paradox. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose, from Philippians chapter 2. So parenting is one area, one, in, one assignment in our Christian life in which God has called us to work out our salvation, and at the same time, he has promised to be working in us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, it says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So do you see kind of like the two sides of this matter? So parenting is one of our works that we're created to do. It's one of our assignments from God. It's an assignment that involves enormous work and dedication it exposes our sin, perhaps more comprehensively than any other assignment. I never knew how selfish I was. I hear this over and over again. When people become parents, they never knew how selfish and prideful they were until they became a parent. And we are commanded to dedicate ourselves to this task by Scripture. We, we must not lose sight of that. But... And I think this is a critical point. point. <clears throat> you're not doing it by yourself. It's not of your own power that you're doing this. God is working in you to will and to act for his good pleasure. That scripture doesn't say that, that, that he's working or will work savingly in your children. That's a promise to you. We don't know what God will do with our child's heart. If, remember, it's not in our control. It's not in our control. Parenthood does seem to be a way he often does spread the work of the gospel, parents to kids. Uh, and we are called to be faithful in this great task and entrust our children to him because we can't save them. Only he can save them. And we always must remember that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So as parents, as grandparents, uh, as people who are caring for children in this church, we work with all our hearts for them, but ultimately we rest in God's perfect and sovereign parenthood, not our own efforts. So where do you find yourself this morning? 
Are you feeling the pressure of being a spiritual tiger parent and need encouragement? Are you, do you need a reminder this morning to redouble your efforts at instruction and discipline? We probably need a little bit of both. Uh, my guess, though, that is that at this church, the folks who are here this morning, most of us need to be reminded of the second half of Paul's statement. It is God who works in us. He has prepared in advance our works for us. Because of what Christ has accomplished, we work at parenting from a place of rest. We work at parenting from a place of rest, not a place of strife, uh, not a place of panic and anxiety. So rather than burden yourself with a set of things to do, a long list of tasks and dialogues, that you have read about in neatly written book scenarios, I want to relieve you of the burdens that you don't need to carry. And so we're going to talk about seven don'ts uh, that I hope will help you see how to rest in God's parenthood as you work at parenting. So the first don't, don't miss it. Sometimes we can run around, we can read all of our parenting strategies in our books, and we can be so concerned about putting that all in place that we miss the joys of parenthood. I used to get so frustrated when um, I had, you know, Aurelia and Addie and maybe even Ava were really young and I had all these young toddlers running around and, and young kids. And, you know, I'd come home from work and, like, it was the whiff of dirty diapers that, that would hit you and, and Brooke would, like, throw me one and I had to go change a diaper. And it was just all work. I mean, it was hard. And... We were exhausted, you know, we, we were getting little sleep, and uh, some older person would come up to me and be like, <laughs> cherish these days, you know, cherish these days, and I would be like, man, I just, I, I want to get past this, because it's hard, but they were right, they were right, cherish, cherish the time you have with them, because I'm staring down like two years of my oldest one being gone, and it does go uh, in an instant. It is so fast. Um, so take a moment to relax and enjoy your children, whatever their ages are. Uh, relish working with them. Uh, God equips us for this. He's prepared us for these good works. Don't miss these years because they are a blessing and they are growing up. Uh, number two, our second don't, is don't be hypercritical. Don't be overly critical. This is something I struggle with. I mean, I was raised this way, and so even though I, I come from a very loving home, my parents could be kind of critical about a lot of things, and so I struggle with this as well as a parent, kind of pointing out every little thing that, that's not correct. Um, and so that's tempting for us, right, to point out every little thing that's out of place. Your hair isn't brushed just right. You're slouching at the table. You left your sock on the couch. Um, it's not that we don't need to be training our children because we certainly do, but, but we're not the Holy Spirit either, okay? Uh, and we need to be faithful and consistent and speak God's word to them and do our best to shepherd their hearts, but we're not able to change our kids' hearts. That's God's work. Um, and we need to think about how God is with us. God has been merciful and gracious to us. 
He hasn't disciplined us for all of our shortcomings. He hasn't given us what we deserve. He's been gracious. And so your relationship with your children should be a picture of that. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear them. So train them, yes. Require obedience, yes. But don't be hypercritical because that's not the way the Lord is with us. Number three, don't be surprised by disobedience. Your kids are sinners just like you are. Don't be surprised when they're selfish. Don't be surprised when they're not quick to serve, when they're not self-starters, when they don't want to do the dishes, when they uh, just don't want to serve the way you think they should be serving, Uh, when they sin, when they fall short. Um, We shouldn't be surprised by that. They're children. They're learning, they're growing, and they're also sinners. Uh, and, and when we look at adults, we would say that we're all works in progress as well. The saying goes, we are God's workmanship. But before we were God's workmanship, we were a piece of work. And that's what children are. They are a piece of work. They are going to disobey you. Don't be discouraged by that. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't make us happy when they disobey, but it shouldn't surprise us. Uh, We were just like them, and and in many ways we still are. Number four, don't assume you know how they'll turn out. Uh, We are God's workmanship, and if our children are to be saved, they too will need to be his workmanship. And we may not perceive how or when God starts working in their hearts. We don't really know the end of the story for our kids, right? And so if you have a prodigal out there, this is especially true for grown children uh, whom you may be concerned about, don't write that child off. Because we know that when God goes after someone, he can save anybody. He can do anything. And so don't give up praying for them. Don't give up presenting the gospel to them. Um, Go after the difficult ones, the ones who have strayed away. And at the same time, we shouldn't assume that we are always seeing God's work, okay? Law-abiding children, some of the best acting children in the world, can be completely spiritually dead. We, we can look at Scripture for this, right? In the story of the prodigal son and the older brother. Um, now, if our kid proclaims to be a Christian, we believe him, right? We don't, we don't need to, to question that, especially if we're seeing signs of repentance and faith. And so we would encourage them in that. Uh, we, would, we would encourage uh, them to enjoy the full assurance of salvation. After all, like being a Christian isn't just for adults. Kids are believers too, oftentimes. Um, but at the same time, we don't need to assume that they are Christians just because they are growing up in a Christian home. We don't know how they're turning. Uh, that, that's up to the Lord, and it's in God's hands. That's why prayer is so important. Petition for your kids day by day. Number five, don't fear. Don't fear. God is at work in you. He is willing and, and acting according to his own good pleasure, and we should trust him. Uh, I think this is one of the hardest places to exercise our faith, 
uh, one Christian mother has written that uh, after she had raised all her kids, looking back on uh, parenthood, she said if she could change one thing about her parenting, it's that she wouldn't be as anxious. Charles Spurgeon uh, says something about this. He's written this. He says, children are a precious gift from God, but a great deal of anxiety accompanies them. They may be a great joy or a great bitterness to their parents. They may be filled with the spirit of God or possess the spirit of evil. In all cases, the word of God gives us one prescription for curing all their ills. Bring the boy to me. Ungodly children, when they show us our own, own powerlessness against the depravity of their hearts, drive us to flee to the strong for strength. And this is a great blessing to us. So Spurgeon calls on us not to fear, but to flee to the strong for strength. If you're a Christian, Christ is at work in you, and he is willing and acting according to his own good pleasure. Number six, don't pretend that you have it all together. Uh, we remain works in progress. So this is important to your kids that you, that you, that you uh, admit your mistakes, that you ask for forgiveness, that you confess your sins and, and weakness to your children when you sin against them, uh, that you repent of your hypocrisy. Uh, this is also important with your friends, uh, especially with your Christian friends when you're raising kids together. Don't put a front on. You know, admit when you're struggling. People want to want to walk with you, and people also are probably going through the same struggles that you're going through. And so you can make people feel alienated when you put on a front. And so don't pretend you have it all together. None of us do. Number seven, don't be transcendent. As Christians, we know God is both transcendent, meaning above us and over us, and he's imminent, meaning among us. A parent should model both God's transcendence and eminence. We should be both above our children, but also among them. Some parents seem to only model the transcendence part. They just live above their children. They're in their adult world. They're distracted. They're never really listening to them. They're never really getting to know their child's heart uh, or, or seeing the world from a child's perspective. Um, one of the main purposes of the family is to model God, but how much is is this like uh, the God we model? He is above us, and he has become one of us. He is in heaven, and he has condescended to dwell with us. God is at work in you, uh, and so the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we entering our children's world? Are we willing to know their hearts? Uh, so the gospel frees us from being self-important and self-indulgent and self-centered. Uh, we should be humbled at the cross, and that should allow us to relate to our children, to help us understand a small bit of what he's done for us. So those are the seven don'ts. Don't be transcendent. Don't be ab above all the time. Don't pretend like you have it all together. Uh, don't fear. Don't assume you know how they'll turn out. Don't be surprised by disobedience. Don't be hypocritical. Don't miss it. I would say that, that the, the do's, 
are to pray consistently for your kids. Do enjoy these years of parenting. Uh, do place it in, in the Lord's hands and know that you're ultimately not in control, but you can create an environment that shows them the love of Christ. I think that's the most important thing. Create an environment that shows them the love of Christ. It's not always a checklist of getting everything done, of doing everything the right way. You're going to mess up. Admit that to your kids. Uh, ask, ask them for, for their forgiveness. Uh, ask for the Lord's forgiveness in front of them. And just simply love them as, as best you can, the way you'd want to be loved, and the way Christ has loved us. Um, just kind of in conclusion, uh, in a conversation with the German newspaper, Amy Chua said, the tiger mom, she said this about one of her books, I would never burn the stuffed animals of my children. That was hyperbole and an exaggeration. I have intensified many situations to clarify my position. And then she adds this confession. We parents, including me, are also anxious about whether we're doing the right thing. You can never know the results. It's this latent anxiety. So the question I'd have for us this morning is, do you feel that latent anxiety in raising your kids? And the answer is probably yes. Most, a lot of us do. Uh, the Bible says this about that. There's this prescription from the Lord. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known by God. Why? Because the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for uh, just being a God of grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you are in control and that, and that you save and that you're a God who answers prayer. And, Lord, I just pray for all the parents in here that, that they would rest in you and, and all aspects of their life and definitely in their parenting, that they would know that you are, uh, that you, that you are a God who works in our lives, who works in our children's lives, you're a God who can deal with our imperfections as parents, who can overcome that. You're a God who can save our children, and we pray that you would save them all, that they would know you, and that they would spend the rest of their lives serving you and honoring you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.